Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Gamerpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlton. Today, I have a very special guest with us. I have Dylan Senna. Hey there, Dylan. How's it going? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It is a beautiful sunny day in Las Vegas. How about yourself? It's it's hot here in Berkeley. It's like 87. Uh, it's, it's, it's summer. <laughs> Not too far from my old stomping grounds of Pleasanton, so... Yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, beautiful. So Dylan, I don't do a lot of uh, small talk on the show. I like getting just right into it. So yeah, why don't begin by just telling us a little bit about yourself, please. Yeah. So I am the CEO of DraftBuff. We're a free and social fantasy esports platform. Um, and before that, I was a software developer at Amazon. And I was on a few different teams within, within Amazon, uh, first in AWS, and then Alexa and I started DraftBuff as sort of a side project uh, while I was, you know, doing my day job at Amazon and uh, it started growing and, and I was getting more and more passionate into it. And, and that uh, led to me quitting my job and, and, and doing DraftBuff full time. So that's uh, sort of a little bit about me and, and my, my journey into entrepreneurship. And uh, we've been doing DraftBuff for uh, almost two years now, full time um, since we made that plunge. And um, yeah, it's, it's been super successful, super rewarding. Uh, so, so much learning, so much professional growth. Uh, and it's cool to, to see hundreds of thousands of, of, of eSports fans use your, your product. So very fulfilling. I love it. All right, so that gives us a lot to talk about. Before we do that, I ask every guest a single question to start. So I'm gonna ask you like I ask everybody else. On a scale of one to 10, 10 being high, how weird are you, Dylan? How weird am I? I don't think I'm that weird. Um, I think I'll go with a with a five, right down the road. Beautiful. That's my answer too. <laughs> I uh, I get people on like I'm a seventeen. I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right. Um, Okay, let's. Uh, this is the Gamer Premier Podcast. So, I uh, before we kind of get too deep into your professional career and then you know uh, what you're doing in the fantasy esports world, you as a gamer, when did you first start playing video games? I actually just wrote an article on Medium about this that sort of talked about my my journey in in gaming. I mean, I've been a gamer since since I was five. Um, I think playing Pokemon with my brother, um, Pokemon Red was probably my my first video game um and uh like we beat the game maybe a year after it launched and so i must have been six and i thought that i was the first person to have ever beat the game <laughs> we're just like so objectively absurd but my six-year-old self that was like oh i was the first one to ever do this um and and then yeah i mean basically playing playing video games with my brother for you know uh for uh, you know, half a decade or a decade until playing with my friends in high school and college, and then, um, and then um, took took a, like a little break um, for a few years, and and then in the last you know five years, I've I've fully embraced uh, gaming again. Um, it's it's such a good hobby. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay, and uh, what do you play today, if anything? Um, I was. I, I, I've been playing a bunch of stuff um, in like sort of the last year and a half with COVID. I was playing a lot of League of Legends and I was playing a lot of WoW um, when, when Shadowlands came out. Sort of got sick of that. Now I'm playing some Witcher 3, um, enjoying, enjoying uh, the sort of 
the rich ecosystem in, in, in that RPG. Um, and you're so. prepared to spend 180 hours to finish that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like 10 down, 170 to go. <laughs> All right. Uh, one more gaming question. Let, let's get over to the premier part. Um, if you had to pick one game, it's your all-time favorite game. Which one would it be? I really love Bioshock 1. I love the story. Um, I love that that one scene where it's like the you're like, uh, the one guy who like wants you to beat him. I, I, I love I love the decisions you have to make. So I, I think that one is is got to be my favorite storytelling game. Um, and uh, and that would be definitely what I pick. Okay, so I guess morality morality time then. Do you drain the little sisters or not? I I did not. <laughs> <laughs> you go Paragon then, do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, preneur side. So you kind of gave us a little bit about your professional background. Um, what got you into the software side of things? Like, what what exactly was your journey to where you are today? Yeah. I so I went to University of Michigan. I, I majored in math and physics and minored in computer science and. I, my original path, I wanted to get a PhD and go back into academia and do research um, until I actually did research and I realized that I didn't really like it. Um, and, and so I sort of was unsure what I liked and I had taken a computer science class. It was a requirement for the math major and it was okay. I didn't love it. And, and I ended up taking like another one and I started liking it more and more. And I basically realized a little too late that, uh, that I like that a lot more than I like the, the math and the physics. And um, I was very fortunate in that I was able to, to get a job at Amazon, um, you know, straight out of college. And, and so that was basically my, my sort of full-time, uh, uh, you know, first job and, and, and like, I, because I felt like I had only gotten the minor in computer science, I, I hadn't, I didn't feel like I knew as much as everyone else. And so I just wanted to be a sponge and absorb as much as I could. And, and so uh, Amazon was a, a great place for me to do that. Um, and um, so, yeah, I was basically there for four years. And then, then I went to draft up. So I really only worked like two jobs. <laughs> oh, love it. Okay. Now what, what was the inspiration behind wanting to do fantasy esports? Like where, like, cause you're going from Amazon and then you said yeah. you, you built this as a hobby. What, what was the impetus? Yeah. So, um, about two years into my four year tenure at Amazon, I was actually diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I went back home to New York, New Jersey, um, and I was on like a six month paid medical leave. Um, and I, uh, I was just playing uh, and watching a lot of video games and six months paid time off. And um, I just really got into the esports scene. I, I just really loved the community. I love the idea that like anyone could be a pro. I mean, I wasn't good, but, but I liked the idea that I could be. Um, and I didn't want my like programming skills to get rusty. And so I just started to hack on a side project while I was, you know, in between my, my treatment. And, and that uh, basically led to, to draft up. So I returned to Amazon um, after my treatment. And then for about a year and a half, I was sort of juggling these two things. Um, and, uh, and I just really started to enjoy it more and more and more so than, than what I was doing in Amazon. Okay, wonderful. So the business has been around for roughly four years then? 
Yeah, um, roughly that. Um, although it was, you know, very much a side project until till I, you know, quit and, and went full time. And that was two years ago. Yeah. Okay. And what has that journey been like for you? It's it's definitely challenging. Um, it you know going from a developer to a an entrepreneur to a co-founder to a CEO. That's definitely a very uh, challenging task, um, but um, it's really rewarding because I, one, you have limited ownership when you're at a very large company as a developer, like you don't have the ability to make um, the impact that you want. I mean, Amazon is just a giant behemoth. And, and then my team is, you know, one very, very small component of that. And, and so, to have that full autonomy of, of like, this is where you want to take it um, is it, it, like, that's super cool. Um, but then, you, you know, you, I, I've never done that, right? Like I haven't been a CEO before. I haven't pitched to VCs and, and known how to run a business. And so that learning curve is, uh, it, it can be challenging. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's definitely obstacles, but like, I feel like I am a better professional from all of that. Okay. Wonderful. So it's free fantasy esports, right? Yeah. Okay. How do you make money? So, um, at the moment we, you know, we're, we're pretty much pre-revenue. Um, so, uh, the, the short answer would be, we are not, um, the, we, we didn't, want to do any kind of gambling or entry fee. Um, it, we really wanted to, to create a community to create a, uh, a place where people can play with their friends. And, and so the, the real value in, in that is getting as many users on the platform and, and using it. I mean, if you take the you know, Discord, for example, right? Like they have 250 plus million users and, and they're still pretty much pre-revenue. Um, and so we're sort of taking that approach. Um, however, there's a, a few different monetization models that we will, you know, execute on, um, you know, in the in the future. Um, the what we believe uh, a few promising leads would be uh, digital collectibles um, using DraftBuff as uh, the sort of uh, hub display for um, you know your esports fandom. So. You could think of, you know, in the sports world, you have people with this this man cave of, of their, you know, their sports uh, memorabilia. Um, and, and in the esports world, uh, you know, ha having that same like fan cave, but in, in a digital world is how we're viewing it. And that fits well into the fantasy ecosystem because you're already on the leaderboard and now you want to show off, you know, uh, these are the collectibles that you you know, earn through various means, whether that's, you know, purchasing it, it in a, on an NFT, you know, blockchain that's first party or third party. Uh, so those are sort of the, the components that uh, we see uh, where DraftBuff fits into. Um, there's also some, some really valuable data in, in what we are uh, sort of doing. And so we also see leveraging that data to, uh, you know, to help uh, betting platforms make, um, you know, better odds, for example. Um, you could sort of think of our community as a, a social signal in the larger equation. Um, and so, uh, you know, 
how are fans viewing you know certain events certain players certain teams um, and, and so we can then leverage the data that we're collecting from this free fantasy platform uh, to uh, you know to these uh, platforms and more of a b2b format Awesome. Okay. So Dylan, I like talking about the journey that entrepreneurs go on because I don't think there's a lot of discussion, especially in the game space about this side of the, the industry, right? We, we know the big publishers, we know like that stuff, but like the day to day of what it's like being an entrepreneur as a gamer is, is something that isn't necessarily talked about. What was this journey like? I mean, was, was your company exactly what you imagined it to be, you know, four <laughs> years ago today or now that you've, you've traversed that or has it changed? Has it evolved over that path? No, it, it's definitely evolved. Um, when we, when the first sort of MVP that we created, it was more or less trying to be the fan duel draft kings of esports. Um, so I don't know how familiar you are with, with the um, sort of different fantasy game formats, um, but fan duel draft kings, it's uh, an entry fee and a payout. Um, it's legally not called gambling, but it's in a way gambling. Um, and um and and that was sort of the first thing that we thought of it's the the least original and and we saw you know it being successful in sports um and and we saw uh you know that void um in esports that we thought we could fill um and we realized that first off that game has really low retention um if you look at fantasy uh, if you look at uh football uh, you see about 90% churn after the first week in 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 the NFL week one. Um, and then after that, it's pretty sticky because it's, it's gambling and it's naturally addictive. Um, but that makes it very capital intensive where you basically need to have a very, very large marketing budget to acquire an absurd amount of users um, to you know, then basically churn them out uh, and re- rinse and repeat every single season, and on top of that, um, you know, there's there's uh, the licensing and the gambling uh, regulations that you need to abide by, and we realized that um, that that just like wouldn't work for a a you know a pre-seed startup that that had much less capital. There's also not really rooms for differentiation. Um, so for all those reasons, also we just didn't want to own a gambling company. We wanted to do something good for the community. Um, and so we basically pivoted to um, the ESPN season long fantasy league model, um, where it's rather than it's a anonymous game, it's a game with your friends. And what we found is you have much better retention on that. And because it's social, um, your acquisition costs goes down pretty substantially as well. Um, and so that was probably our, our biggest learning and, and pivot um, that we've made um, sort of in the draft of history. Um, and, um, and we still have that, that game and we rebranded it as a, what we call our draft royale. And we use that as an acquisition lead because um, it, it works well for a community to, you know, a, an influencer, a team, a club um, to have, you know, hundreds, uh, thousands of people in, in this game. And then we get them into the, the, the fantasy league, which is then stickier, and then they stick around. So you sort of like 
have the acquisition lead um, uh, for that first game, and then they convert to the stickier game, and then they're staying for the whole season. Um, so that's sort of one of the, the the big pivots that we've made. Very cool. Okay, and on your end, how have you developed as a person? I mean, you've had to go from an yeah. employee to being an, an entrepreneur, and those are totally different you know, right. mindsets. What has that been like for you? Yeah, I think when you first start off your your startup journey, um, at, at least for me as a technical co-founder, it is uh, you're still very much a a developer product uh, manager at the beginning, right? Where you're you're creating the product. Uh, my my co-founder is also uh, uh, a sort of technical background, and so the two of us were. Uh, you know, we were just building, we were just hacking away, building this. And so when we first quit our jobs, it was, you know, maybe four or five months where it was mostly just development. So there wasn't that much of a difference from where I am now, where I'm, you know, wearing many different hats. Um, and then when it came time to now we need to do marketing for this, um, that's when I think it my role first started to change from, okay, I'm not just a developer. I now need to own some other sort of facets of the business. And, and so sort of just like trial and error and reading about like, how do I do marketing? How do I do, you know, what works well, what doesn't work well. And, and you definitely, you make mistakes. Like I, I remember I, I did a really bad influencer deal and, and that is just such a bad feeling where you just, you have spent the money and you see the promotion on um, you know the influencer tweets about it and it just falls flat and and so you you know it 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 feels bad but you then learn like okay I know what to do better next time um, and so you sort of just like you know trial and error um, step by step you learn the different areas of the business that you need to and then then you get into fundraising and now you you come up with a pitch deck and you start sharing that with people and you iterate on their feedback and you start pitching it and you, it, it either falls flat or it hits and then you just keep iterating and iterating. And eventually a year and a half later and you're like, oh, I, you know, I feel comfortable doing all of these things. Okay, fantastic. Um, a little more personally, say you and I hop in a time machine. We're gonna go back in time to back when you're uh, back in college. Yeah. And you can go up to little Dylan back then <laughs> and you go, little Dylan, this is everything that's going to happen to you over the next several years of your life. All the ups, the downs, the good, the bad, the successes, the trials, the challenges. But if there was one thing, cause you're going to be able to impart all of your wisdom on him so he can like make his life just skyrocket. Right. Yeah. But if there was one thing he absolutely had to know, what would you tell yourself? Hmm. It's a good question. I mean, I, I think, um, I think there's obviously things that we could have done differently at, you know, at each step of the way. Um, and I also think that we made the right decisions given the data that we had. Um, and I don't know if I would change anything drastically because I think those, you know, dead ends led to, to growth, um, led to, to, you know, valuable, uh, you know, personal development. Um, I would say I would have probably not done math and physics. I, I think uh, doing doing some more computer science or 
for even something more on the business side would, would definitely have helped me. Um, but in terms of my Amazon journey and, um, and my draft book journey, I don't think there would have been anything too drastic I would have changed here. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, deeper still onto the personal side. So you mentioned that the personal growth and development you had to go through. Uh, you see, Dylan, I actually believe that we learn the most in our life from our failures, not necessarily yeah. our successes, because when you fail at something, you got to figure out what went wrong and learn it and, and struggle through it until you succeed. When, it, when you succeed the first time, uh, you yeah. don't really learn anything. So I'd like to ask you, what do you consider your biggest failure in life? And what did you learn from it? Before, before draft book, my, my friends and I in Seattle sort of uh, were trying some other startup ideas. So we like met um, maybe like every other week or, or every month. And we were just like brainstorming, sort of like incubating ideas. And then we, we spent so much time like brainstorming and then coming up with these proposals. And, uh, and then we finally found something. And, and then we, you know, we just spent so much time brainstorming and not enough time following the lean startup principles and, 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 uh, you know, getting something out there. Um, and so that was definitely, I think a, a failure that we had some good ideas, um, that we just were bogged down by this bureaucracy that we like self-created. Um, but I don't think that's like the biggest failure in my life. Um, that's, that's the only one that, that's coming to mind. Of, of no, that's a that, good one because yeah. a lot of entrepreneurs suffer from that, especially when they're first starting out. It's, it's yeah. a lot of idea, 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 not yeah. a lot of action, but it's, it all really comes down to that action. Doesn't it? Yeah. We were, we were, there were five of us, all developers, um, which I think is not a good recipe. Like you want some, some professional diversity in your team. And, um, and we were, you know, we all spent collectively, uh, you know, the time to, to brainstorm each like minute detail of this thing, rather than having owners, um, you know, for, you know, just like having autonomy for each person. And we just ended up not doing anything. Um, so <laughs> <It that's> <laughs> All right. On the flip side of the failure question, yeah. what is something that you're working to improve on yourself today? Yeah, I think, um, I think I'm just trying to be a better, you know, CEO and, and leader for, for the team. I think, uh, I think sometimes I, you know, as a technical co-founder, I, I want to, uh, to, to, to work on the product, to do, you know, development. And, uh, the reality is that if I do that, then there's going to be a void in some of the other responsibilities. Um, and so, um, I think one of my, my co-founders sort of, you know, called me out and, and, and said like, Hey, like, these are some things that you need to do, uh, better than we're not doing. And, and he was, he was right. And, um, and so I think, uh, I'm just learning to, to create the right balance that, that I need to, to make the company succeed. All right. All right, Dylan, this has been a fantastic interview. How do people find you? Where are you guys out on social media, your website, all that, please. Yeah. Everyone can go to, to draftbuff.com. Um, and it's, a, uh, there, there's a subset of functionality on the website, but the, the best thing would be to download the app if they're interested in playing fantasy esports for their favorite esports games. 
and um, and we're pretty active on Discord, Twitter, all social medias. Okay. Yeah. Now, and as go ahead. Oh, and 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 if people want to hear more about my professional journey, they can follow me on LinkedIn as well. Okay. Now, uh, as we wrap this up, do you have any final thoughts you want to share? Anything I didn't ask? You think we still need to cover? No, I think you. I think you did a, an awesome job. <laughs> okay. Well, in that case, Dylan, thank you so much for coming on today. I genuinely do appreciate this. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. And for everybody else, I'm going to remind you all: don't be just a gamer. Be a gamerpreneur. Thank <laughs> you.